Welcome to the DermVet Podcast. I'm Dr. Ashley Bourgeois, a board-certified veterinary dermatologist practicing in Portland, Oregon with animal dermatology clinics. I'm also a mom of two, just trying to find the balance like everyone else. Let's learn to ditch the itch, cytology, everything, and make derm more fun than frustrating. Welcome to another episode of the DermVet Podcast. Today we're going to talk about calcinosis cutis, and I think it's an important topic to talk about because I often see dogs with pretty classic lesions of calcinosis cutis walk in the door um, and often are go-to to treat anything you know weird with the skin. It seems like it's antibiotics and steroids. But what about the cases where steroids can actually make things a lot worse? So calcinosis cutis is something that you can get a really good idea clinically by the way that these dogs uh, present by the distribution of the lesions. So when we talk about calcinosis cutis, there's kind of four main types of calcinosis cutis that can occur. Um, metastatic, that's usually with things like chronic renal disease due to a systemic imbalance of calcium or phosphorus. And those lesions tend to happen on the foot pads or interdigital skin. Iatrogenic, um, so some form of dystrophic mineralization uh, by ex an exogenous supplementation of steroids. So we've given too much steroid and it's happened. Uh, idiopathic, which is, uh, you really can't tell the difference between idiopathic and other types of calcinosis cutis, but it happens in dogs that are very young, so like less than a year of age, and they don't have any history of an excess of glucocorticoids, and they just kind of spontaneously resolve within a year. So something to know about, but I've honestly never seen a case of this. And then finally, dystrophic. And dystrophic is the most common thing that we see in dogs that have either iatrogenic um, hyperglucocorticism or endogenous hyperadrenocorticism. So iatrogenic is going to be a form of dystrophic, but whether they have calcinosis cutis from we gave too much steroid or calcinosis cutis because they're producing too much steroid, it's going to be the dystrophic form. To be honest, we don't really know the whole reason that these hard calcium plaques occur based on the overproduction of steroid. It's a really complex biological uh, process. So it's possible that the role of steroids or the role that they play is that they could, you know, have a gluconeogenic or the fact that they catabolize proteins and maybe that's what can cause these issues. But the thing that you guys will be looking for clinically is uh, basically like these hard, red, thick, you can palpate these uh, really intense calcified firm plaques. Uh, and they can really range. You can see them really early and maybe they're not quite as hard. You could see them where they're literally like a shield on the dog's back. And it's most common to see these lesions on the dorsum, the armpits, and the groin. So I'd say a really classic area is going to be right on that cranial dorsum part of the trunk. So like that dorsal intrascapular region, you'll just see these little areas of alopecia, some erythematous plaques. Um, and so that's something that you really wanna keep an eye out for because it can be really, really suggestive clinically that that's what's going on. And I have had some pictures I've put up on my social media that you can refer back to. But once you start identifying these, you can pick up on them really, really quickly. 
So again, when I see a dog come in and I see that classic calcinosis cuta sign on that cranial dorsum, I'm starting to ask questions like, you know, does your pet have polyuria, polydipsia, polyphagia, panting? Um, have they gained weight? So anything that would make you start asking questions about something like Cushing's disease, like all those classic signs. I'm looking at their past lab work. Have they had an elevated alkaline phosphatase, a stress leukogram? Has their urine been really dilute in the past? Uh, what medications are they on? So sometimes pets have chronically been on steroids like prednisone for an extended period of time. And ultimately that can also cause them to break out with calcinosis cutis besides just them naturally making too much steroid with Cushing's disease. So when you're looking at the diagnosis of a calcinosis cutis, it is one you can really heavily suspect just based on the clinical presentation if you get comfortable with it. However, it's never wrong. Um, some of these early cases can be really hard to know for sure if that's what's going on or if you don't feel comfortable doing biopsy and getting histopathology is never a wrong thing to do. And it's something that most histopathologists are really gonna be able to identify and diagnose really easily. So they'll see these multifocal mineral depositions. They're usually in the dermis and the subcutis. And it's a pretty easy diagnosis uh, histologically for them to make. If you are really suspicious and say there's financial concerns, then I would start running some general lab work, really diving into that history, because if we can just try to, you know, stop steroids and get on something else for whatever they're on steroids for, you might be able to just give it time and see if it does improve. Um, also, please don't forget to do your cytologies. Um, you can squeeze some of the debris in the deeper parts of these lesions, but it's really, really, really common for these guys to get secondarily infected because they almost form this like foreign body reaction from all the little, you know, deposits of mineralization in their skin. So really, really common for them to get like a deep pyoderma. So doing a cytology, potentially culturing um, if indicated, because treating the infection can make them feel a lot better. If you are just really suspicious of calcinosis cutis clinically, or you do submit the histopathology and it comes back as calcinosis cutis, that's where you have to do some digging. So, you know, is there a topical steroid or a systemic steroid being used that we can come away from? Is it not realistic they can get away from it if they're on it for treatment of something like IBD or, or something they need it for? Well, then can we reduce the steroid dose by adding in some steroid sparing agents? Can we switch the type of steroid? Maybe they're just really sensitive to something like prednisone, but they're on nothing. Um, no exogenous steroids, then you really have to start looking into the possibility of a true hyperadrenal corticism or Cushing's disease. Um, so, you know, either doing an ACTH stimulation test, doing that general lab work, doing a low dose dexamethasone suppression test, everyone kind of has their different opinions of which tests to start with. But I always forewarn owners that Cushing's can be something that can be really difficult to diagnose. Um, sometimes you get it on the, the first test. Sometimes it takes a few tests to get a true diagnosis. Um, sometimes you try to do all the right tests, you can't get a true diagnosis. You retest a few months later and they're really positive. 
So you definitely want to go searching for it, but just make sure to have that really good communication with your owners about, hey, it might take a few tests. You know, we might have to do an ultrasound, um, but if we can identify it and treat it, we can resolve a lot of these issues. Um, and then, you know, a whole diagnostic workup slash treatment for Cushing's, it's a whole lecture in itself. Uh, I tend to start with trilostane or veteral just because it is approved for treating it. Um, it's an enzyme inhibitor. So it inhibits 3-beta-hydroxysteroid dehydrogenase. Um, and so it's an enzyme inhibitor where you can get good resolution of these signs. And this is treatment for a pituitary dependent, which most of these cases are. Um, there's also lysodrine or mitotane, which destroys a portion of the adrenal gland. And that can be a good treatment option as well. Both of these medications, you know, there's certain doses you can start with, um, usually on the lower end. So for trilostane, I'm more like a one to two mg per keg, once or twice a day, kind of depending on where they, they fall as far as the, the capsule size. And I personally use the brand name. I don't compound it if I don't have to. I feel like I get better resolution with that. But you do have to recheck those ACTH uh, stimulation tests or there's some um, research being done in like baseline uh, levels. But however you're going to monitor it, we have to, as we're changing doses and starting them on it, really keep a close eye on those those levels because not one size fits all. Some pets need a higher dose compared to your starting dose. Some pets are really sensitive to exposure to things like trilostane. Um, so that's where I tend to start them. Mitotane, again, has that selective necrosis of the adrenal gland. Um, I Dosing can be anywhere from 25 to 15 mg per keg per day, um, sometimes divided. Um, some people go every other day or they'll start with a daily dosing for a week and then go every other day. So there's a ton of protocols out there. And usually if I'm going to have to reach for something like mitotane um, and they're not responsive initially, I'm probably gonna send them to an internist to deal with that. As far as the actual treatment of the calcinosis cutis, you can try things like um, pentoxifiline just to kind of help break down some of that scar tissue and help the, the erythrocytes get into that, that thick tissue a bit more. I think using that with antibiotics, if they're infected, can be helpful. Um, but DMSO is something that's often thrown around as a treatment option, and I think it can be helpful. It's a topical uh, therapy. It's a really good penetrating vehicle. Um, and it has a lot of different properties to it, like anti-inflammatory, antibacterial, antifungal. Um, it kind of is something that claims a lot of things, so I don't know that it's really wonderful at any of those things, but it can be helpful. I get asked about it a lot. I think it's a great kind of concurrent medication. It gives us something to help break down that calcification, but you know, in the end, you need to treat whatever the excess steroid is, whether it's exogenous or endogenous. I, I use DMSO, I treat the infection, but the most important thing to get resolution is find out where that excess steroid is coming from. So do a thorough drug history, make sure there's been nothing like, you know, long acting steroids used a lot in the past. And if you can't find it an exogenous cause, then you need to start digging and looking for things 
like hyperadrenal corticism. So I hope that's really helpful. That's just kind of a snippet, like a, a big view version of dealing with calcinosis cutis. Again, go look at some images on my social media. You know, you can find them on the internet. You can find them in textbooks. Um, but once you get a really good view of some of these happening, especially on that dorsal interscapular region, but I've had it in the groin, I've had it um, in the axilla, um, various parts of the body, once you start kind of seeing what they look like, it's something you can pick up really easily clinically.